0: This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 185, with guest Lori Harder.
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no-B.S. guide to self-help and badassery, because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen.
0: Hey there, Ass Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am very excited to bring you another podcast guest who that's her second time being on here. During this time of my book launch, I wanted to intentionally bring back guests that I had had on before whom I especially loved. I loved all of my guests. Don't get me wrong, but there were a few that I really, really connected with the first time that they were on. And I really felt like we had an under- Finished conversation. So I'm bringing them back. Lori Harder is one of those people. If you don't know who she is, she's absolutely amazing. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her in just a minute here. But first I have a question for you. And that is, have you ever bought a self-help book and not read it? (laughs) Or have you ever bought a self-help book and read it, but you end up forgetting most of what you read? And maybe you even like recommend it to people, but you're like, Didn't really invest that much in it to where you put the things that you learned into action in your life. And then you find yourself falling back on old behaviors and then you end up frustrated and kind of feeling like shit about it. Right. I've done that. I have done that before. I know it all too well. And I don't want that to happen to you with my book. My new book is coming out, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. You probably have heard me shouting about it from the rooftops for a little while now. It officially comes out January 2nd, but you can pre-order now. And wink, wink, if you pre-order... Online, Most likely it will ship before January 2nd, but it's officially in bookstores on January 2nd. What I have also done to celebrate the launch of this book is offer up a special class. It is a book study class because group studying shows increased retention, expands your access to information and increases motivation. I know this from an article I read on the internet, but it's true, right? It's absolutely true that when we get into an actual group study, we tend to take action more, we tend to commit more, and just really retain the information more. That is why I am offering a free book study class for y'all who pre-order the book now. All right, so all of that information is over at yourkickasslife.com slash hts. FLS. That link will be in the show notes for you. And I really hope to see you there. I will be in there guiding you. This isn't just me throwing you all in a group and having you fend for yourself. I am guiding you every step of the way so that you can live a better life so that you can implement what you are learning. So that might all sound great, right? But what are you actually learning? This book is the 14 behaviors that I have found over and over again that women participate in, myself included, that we're doing to try to keep us safe. This is perfectionism, self-sabotage, people-pleasing, overachieving, control, all of these things that we have done most of our life in order to cope with life. And a lot of times these behaviors Work for a while, right? They get us to where we are. I often say it works until it doesn't. And we get to a point where it doesn't work anymore and it feels like shit, hence the title of the book. This book is not at all about. You know, here are the things that you're doing wrong. Fix it. It's here are the things that we're all doing that are making us feel like crap at the end of the day. Let's focus on different solutions for them. And that is what my 10 years experience in doing this and working with hundreds of women and all the training has been put into this book so that we can all find a better way so that we can create more happiness and confidence and courage in our lives. And I hope that you will join me. So again, that link is over in the show notes, yourkickasslife.com slash H T S F L S. So let's move over to our conversation with Lori Harder. Let me tell you a little bit about Lori. <laughs> Growing up in a tiny town in Upper Michigan with a strict religious upbringing, Lori was homeschooled and battled a family trend of obesity. Having overcome such challenges, Lori uses them to relate and teach others how to thrive regardless of their backgrounds. Through events, books, courses, tools, and taking leaps into the unknown in all areas, she took massive action and chose to make choices that empowered her to live a life she now loves. Lori has since become a leader in the field of fitness, transformational work, mindfulness, and self-love. is a 10-time fitness cover model, TEDx speaker, fitness expert, transformational coach, and speaker. She offers a carefully curated set of practical tools from her own experiences to promote sustainable health, spiritual well-being, and financial freedom. So without further ado, here is Lori. Lori, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you! I'm so excited to chat with you today. Me too. I know we were like talking a mile a minute before we started recording, and I'm like, <laughs> we should probably start recording this fantastic conversation that I know is about to to come up. And you know, you're one of my favorite people who is all about wellness and mixing and matching wellness and personal development. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna kind of just like start wherever and just just like throw one at you. And let's I think that pretty sure that I've heard you talk about this before in your podcast or written about it or somewhere. And that is negative people. So Mm. how do you feel negative people play a role into recovery? And how do you deal with them when they creep into your circle?
2: Mm, I love them. No, (laughs) I I mean, truly, truly, it is a weird love hate thing now. I mean, in the beginning, I think definitely I was all hate, Um, but now I really, I actually really appreciate them because they get me really solid in how I actually feel because I feel like sometimes you can put something out there and it's so nice to get all of the lovey stuff back and for everybody to tell you how amazing you are and how much you impacted their life. But Honestly, sometimes it's those negative people that – Number one, now I've learned to question, okay, do I need to look at this? Is this true or not? Is this actually something that I should pay more attention to? And, you know, there have been times when I have actually gone back and been like, oh my gosh, this troll was totally right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask you. So are you talking about like criticism and like negative feedback, that kind of stuff?
2: Yes. Negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Maybe that comes with, you know, I guess we've got a whole slew of negative things to talk about, which is fantastic. But as far as negative people, when it's possibly about your stuff that you are putting out into the world or creating or just how you're showing up, right? Because right. people, if you're a public figure at all, or you're even, you know, you have a blog or you're putting anything out, it really puts you immediately into the line of fire for those people who are not so happy. So. For me, number one, it's looking at, is this true or not? And number two, will I do it anyway, despite if this keeps on happening and these people keep saying these things. And, you know, sometimes you have to take a break for a minute just to gather your bearings and cry and like punch a pillow. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then it's always a resounding yes when you're on that soul path. So they really help me get really rooted in, you know, is this something that I want to do, even if this pain is coming for me?
0: That is one of the most uncomfortable, like, let's just be honest, personal development is uncomfortable, but that moment of when somebody lobs something at you, whether it's like a negative comment on your blog or a negative review on Amazon, or I I don't see how that would ever happen, but it (laughs) just, or even when we're having a disagreement with somebody we really care about and they Mm. say something about us and usually our immediate response is to get defensive and tell them, no, they're wrong. But that moment. When you realize there's some truth in it, and you're like, ugh. ugh. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh I, I had it happen recently that I like put out a challenge and I pick a winner like from all of these people who are doing this free 14 day challenge. And someone had mentioned like they got really upset because I chose a winner based off of how inspiring they were and how they were, you know, really rallying the troops and getting everyone excited about this challenge, you know, along with following the rules. But the rules stated that it would be at random. Well, to me, at random means picking whoever the hell I want. But to this person person. person at random means truly like a lottery. And so, I mean, I know it's something so small, but it kind of was this bigger deal for a little bit. Um, not on my end, but to some other people because she started posting all over Instagram about it. And so I was like, you know what, this is something that it may not have meant anything to me, but if I just cleaned up the languaging and the writing, I could actually take care of this for this person and maybe future people who feel this way, right? Like rule followers. So because that's not necessarily something that is, you know, hugely in my personality Yes, (laughs) details, but that it made me really not just in that area. So maybe that was something, you know, smaller, but it made me look at all areas of my life and really where I'm not paying attention to the details and just throwing stuff out, you know, get it out there, get it out there. And it made me slow down a bit. Mm hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is, that is tricky. And just for anybody listening,
0: it's really, I think that even just that pause of looking at, is there anything that you need to actually shine the light on and that you need any mess that you need to
2: clean up? That's what I always say. Mm. And not always. You just said something so huge for me, Andrea, it's pausing because yeah. I mean, I turn into like legit for like five minutes. I feel like I'm turning green and expanding and like freaking out. And I'm like, Oh my God, this, what is this? Like, I can't even, like, I don't even read what they're writing. Like I contort it and make it say what I think evilness is coming out of it. And then I reread it, you know, five minutes (laughs) later, I'm like, Oh, they didn't, they didn't actually say that. Okay. Yeah. So space, like space is so vital. Go walk around, go like have somebody that you can like scream and say all of the feelings that you're feeling in that moment about what's going on and then come back to, but like I highly recommend at least a few hours and maybe a walk.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I wanna underline what Lori just said, everybody, and that is about allowing yourself the space and time energy to feel the feelings that come. I actually wrote about this in my book. So Mm -hmm. when I was, it's that whole thing about like not taking things personally, you know, that advice that goes around and I know Don Miguel Ruiz is amazing and he wrote about it. But I think that when you just hear that advice of don't take things personally without any context, it's this impossible goal that just, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't, we are humans. That's not how our brains work in terms of survival. Mm -hmm. So I wrote about this because when I first started blogging and, you know, my blog started to gain traction. And then I was starting to get people who were like, "I don't like this," and I don't like you, you know. Like, <laughs> and, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, I of course, you know, focus on the two bad comments that I got out of hundreds and hundreds. Mm-hmm. And I would ask people like, "How do you do that? How do you keep writing and putting your art out into the world and and keep on keeping on when you get?" You know, basically haters, and they're like, Well, you just have to learn to not take it personally. And I was like, Who does this? Like, I thought it was <laughs> wrong with me. And so finally, I talked to more and more people about it. And it was basically, they were like, No, you do. It does sting. It does. And you just feel the feelings and then, um, like, summon your community <laughs> mm-hmm. and then work from there. So I just want to make mm-hmm. sure everyone knows that it's not about just oh, fuck them, those assholes. (laughs) And like, no, it's not Mm -hmm. how it works. Are
3: you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
1: Feel like you're the martyr in your family.
2: Oh my God. So true. There's so, you know, I just call on massive compassion. Like no, it's now the first word that pops in my head is you have no idea what they've gone through and what you've triggered and what you're mirroring back to them. Because I mean, we just did not ever, we didn't walk in their shoes. So for me, it's like, I actually can, I make up scenarios in my mind of like, well, maybe they went through this or maybe they went through this and I'd be like, oh, well, I'd be that way too. And it really helps me to understand them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of trying hard, you talk a lot about perfectionism and it's like one of my favorite topics and embracing failure as a way of growth. Why do you think people struggle so much to show ourselves the same love that we so easily show others, especially when it's about failing or falling
2: down after trying something vulnerable? Mm. I mean, ultimately, I'm just going to really share You know how I feel is it's rejection. I mean, we could be tied to, that doesn't feel good. It goes right along with everything we're talking about with negativity. It's like, it is so gut-wrenching to not be liked, not be loved, be rejected. We feel like if we put our work out there or anything that we are creating or doing, that number one, we compare it to the people who've been doing it for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) or who may have more talent than you. And the thing is that I'm always trying to remember is you know, if I didn't get to put my stuff out there, or if everybody did not get to create or enjoy that creative ability to be able to share with other people too, what would your life be like? Like, you're gonna feel some form of pain mm-hmm. no matter what. You're either gonna feel the pain of massive suppression, which can we know can take so many different forms in your life. Or you're going to feel the pain of potentially putting it out and not having people like you. And I will tell you that the one of not having people like you, it's so few and far between compared to that feeling of, you know, I've been in that place where I've been totally suppressed, felt like I couldn't, like I didn't have a voice, like I couldn't speak, like I would be completely rejected from my entire tribe. And I'll tell you that suppression is far worse than actually just getting it out and maybe being criticized by the few people who are going to criticize you. Mm -hmm. The one person that didn't like your Instagram rolls, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I feel like we need a new word for failure because we have made that word so bad. I know just gets such a bad rap. And I know that this isn't the first time anybody's hearing this, but we can't do anything from without having failures like there's not one single successful person even semi-successful person who hasn't failed so many times and either you know gotten the emotional shit kicked out of them because they put themselves out there in a relationship and it didn't work out or they have had a business endeavor that has gone badly or an investment that has not gone their way or a job that they thought was going to work out and ended up totally falling. Like just so many, so many, like every single person listening has a story probably more than one of, mm. of some kind of failure. And it really, I'm always a fan of saying like, it is really how you look at it. And mm-hmm. I get this question in interviews. Do you get this question where people say, what's your biggest failure? Or And then I'm like, <laughs> it's so hard for me to answer that because to me, like I look at failure as like something that, I mean, I don't Mm -hmm.
1: even know how to describe
0: it anymore because I don't look at it as that way. I no, just, me I either. Look at it as, it's just part of growth. It's part of the learning process. It's part of being your best self.
2: It just is. It's oh part God. of the job description. Totally. Even when when you just said that, like I had a whole visceral experience of, uh, well, honestly, I don't feel like I've failed. I feel like I've tried and I've yeah. learned, but failure, that's such a, I have such an amazing relationship with failure. I actually get excited about it because it's it's like where you jump in and all the pieces like fall on the ground and you get to see See what worked and what didn't work right. and you pick up what worked and you, you do it again. And I think it's so crazy because it's like failure and learning in private is like just learning, but learning in public is basically called like failure, you know, yep. <laughs> it's kind of like practicing in public and not having it be perfect. People say that's failure. And I'm like, you're really just learning your lessons in public is what failure is for so many people. And to me, it's like, that's even better to fail, quote, you know, quote unquote fail in public because I feel like there's more to be learned. You get feedback from it and you get to teach at the same exact time. So honestly, I'm so willing to take those leaps now because number one, I feel like now I kind of approach things with, please don't put me on a pedestal or think that I'm good at things Mm -hmm. naturally or whatever that looks like. Because when I start to think that people think that about me, I put my own self in a box And I'm like, oh, my God, maybe there is pressure around this. And I immediately jump out of that box because I'm like, no, people don't have an expectation on me. I don't want you to have an expectation. So that's a really big message that I like to offer so that I can also be learning it at the same time for myself. Like the boxes that we put, you know, other people in are the same boxes that we're putting ourselves in. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yes, yes to everything. And and not to say that failing publicly isn't horrifying. Like <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Again, kind of the worst.
2: <laughs> totally, not but today. I swear to you though you can you can create a good relationship with it. I mean, it's not, it's not fun, but man, at the same time, if you don't have those moments, you have no contrast of what is fun and what is great and what is love and what is light. Like they're equal in your life. It's just how much resistance are you wrapping in the failure and in the darkness that you're spending most of your time feeling resistant to it, even when you are, you know, even when you're not in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I've also found that the times that I've had, let's just put like air quotes around the word, like failures, (laughs) that those have been the moments that not every single time, but the times that I have kind of catapulted my own personal development or even my own success in business or relationships or personal life has been those moments where something has gone wrong. Or Mm -hmm. I've like we were talking about a few minutes ago, like I've had to look at something that someone did not like about me. And those have been painful moments, both, you know, the looking at the hard parts of me and the failures. And then like you were saying, like getting excited about it and sort of like, that's where you can see exactly like, okay, where do I need to put these puzzle pieces back together in a different way in order to move on into the next chapter of my life?
2: Mm, I love that. And you you know what? You, you really just made me realize too. With those people, sometimes it, it's funny what we end up taking personally from the negative people, because I might've just shared that story with you and you're like, meh, whatever. But I knew deep down, like I had an issue with details. So it oh, triggered yeah. me beyond what normally would have triggered you. So where you're getting triggered is something that you might have a knowing around, mm-hmm. but you haven't been wanting to look at.
0: Yeah. Well, in those instances, and this is very specific. For your instance, and in a way, I'm kind of giving unsolicited advice here. But those are the <laughs> I, like. I am—I'm like you. I am terrible with details all the time, hey. and hey. I have somebody on my team who is great with
2: details, who <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> would not let that slide. <laughs> yes, seriously. I know. I literally at our meetings. I'm like, hey guys, please notice around details. Just catch me where. Yes, we because You just want to throw stuff out. Yeah, girl, and and it's not just
0: like the wall. for typos. It's like in the Facebook group guidelines. Can you look and see if I missed anything? And there's always something that I've missed. Where it's my Emily, and she points it out, and she's like, you know, here's where it could be better. And I'm like, thank you, because I don't. Nope. We all need an Emily in our life. Like we all need somebody following us around, proofreading our life.
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm getting those people all around me at this point. Yeah. Like orange coats. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I want to kind of switch gears and. You know, my book is 14 habits that are holding us back from happiness. And obviously there are 14 of them that kind of make us we do these behaviors in order for us to try to avoid criticism and judgment and things like that and, and keep us, quote unquote, safe. And one of those habits that I don't talk a whole lot about on the podcast, but I my guess is that you might have struggled with this in your life. And I know a lot of your audience struggles with this, and that's overachieving. And so mm. it's overachieving as a way to people that struggle with overachieving are people that validate themselves through their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just interested in your take on that. Like, has that been a problem in your own life or do you see your audience struggling with that?
2: Mm, I see my audience struggling with it all the time, but I see myself (laughs) struggling with it more often than they may be, you know, and I didn't even realize that I was an overachiever that's the craziest part until probably the last like two years (laughs) I just was like oh I'm finally finishing stuff like I'm finally doing stuff because I have to tell you I the way that I I was raised in a really restrictive religion where I couldn't actually do things with people if it didn't involve people who were in my particular congregation so that really took away from or that really ruled out a lot of things you know sports, dancing, doing really academics were not stressed in fact they were a bit frowned upon just you should be investing all of, you know, your time and energy into preaching and sharing the religion. Mm-hmm. So when I moved out, you know, I had my crazy period of just kind of just trying to find myself through pretty much anything and everything. But then when I found this thing, that provided love and attention that I never had before. It was like crack. Mm-hmm. And I really So was <laughs> it that was accomplishments achieving. you mean? It was achieving. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was accomplishments. It was achieving. And the first route that I took was through fitness, was through fitness competitions, was through, oh my goodness, the more fit that I get, the more love and attention that and I you get. You literally and get trophies time- when you win. Like oh yeah. <laughs> it's like the ultimate- totally. Totally. I know. So, so then when I wasn't in that type of shape, it was like, I felt like I wasn't lovable. I wouldn't be achieving anything. People wouldn't desire to work with me. Why on earth am I, you know, valuable to anyone? I mean, this is years of this back and forth, really learning to release my identity around fitness and my body. And the thing is, is that the place where we struggle the most and have the most darkness and pain, which was really, you know, I, I silently struggled. Because all people would see, whereas, you know, this is when social media wasn't like live yet. It wasn't doing anything where you were like, this is me in the moment. It's like, oh, here's me three months ago. Mm -hmm. But I'm, you know, my fingertips are orange with Dorito cheese as I post this picture (laughs) of myself in a bikini. And I'm not feeling so hot. But, you know. The thing that I learned from it was how important self-development is and how that whole piece of you are not your body, you're not your job, you're not that thing. You're never going to be full from that achievement ever. It just sent me on this massive journey of what does it look like to actually be full and not have to, you know, have a thing or be attached to an identity because I was in such a personal prison over it. And, you know, after the body went the achievements after, you know, and there was just so so many things that I had to unravel there because I just kept jumping from achievement to achievement because it was identity and it was love and it was attention. And once I had it, it's like, it was almost worse to go back without it. So Uh it just sent me on a really long journey of lots. Of self development that I'm still working on. Yeah.
1: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
3: Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom.
1: Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that story of yours, and I'm sure so many people can relate to that. Whether their journey isn't, maybe it's, it might be school. I know for me, for a while, it was it was school, and I was, I was actually, I had every plan in the world to go get my master's degree, and then I realized that the reason I was doing it was simply because of the achievement value. And it was also mm. like me being able to push this news button on my life because I would have rather <laughs> I would have rather done that because I knew I was good at school. Oh. I was smart and I could get good grades and I could feel good about you know getting papers back and having them have A's on them rather than look at the hard stuff in my life. Like I'd much rather do that than feel my feelings. I'd oh much rather take an exam in organic chemistry than feel my feelings in the therapy session. Mm-hmm. Like, I was at that point. So mm. it, that was a Huge revelation. I was studying for the GRE and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. And that was hard. So I think that, Mm. yeah, whether it's fitness for someone listening or if it's their job climbing the corporate ladder, I have a lot of people, a lot of listeners, that is how they validate themselves. And here's the tricky part I don't know if this is tricky for you, but because I think overachievers, we tend to, and I say we, you know, because it's still something I, I really have to keep in check. We see it as either, okay, we're either doing all these things and checking off all the boxes so that we can feel love and get validated and attention and recognition, or we just throw in the towel and, like, throw papers up in the air and say, like, fuck it, I'm just going to, you know... Move into my parents' basement. P.S. You guys, like, I have lived in my parents' basement before. So, (laughs) literally, I literally did when we lived in Utah. Amazing. Several months. So, I don't say that to be judgy. But, like, yeah, like, move into your parents' basement and, like, quit your job. And so, like, finding that middle ground. Like, how do you find that middle ground?
2: Hmm. You know, I, achieving is just another form of numbing. So I really look at because it's easy, right? If you know how to achieve or maybe you're good in a particular area, like, you know, you really you brought me to a place where I had this crossroads where it was like I could go and continue on in the fitness world and I could continue possibly, you know, trying to win extra titles or or do some sort of streak of some sort of, you know, winning championships. But I was like, do I really want to do that? At, will that actually make me feel better? What am I going to feel like at the end of that? And I realized, you know, I was really using it to not look at this bigger picture of what I really wanted. But what I really wanted was begging for space and it was begging for me to slow down. You know, when you know you're good at something, it's easy to just get back in the grind and do it again. Do another competition, do another challenge, put out another e-course, go do another speaking of Event, write another book, coach more clients, open up another business, whatever that looks like. But a lot of times, that higher self, if you're feeling very frustrated or you're feeling really worn out, it's probably begging for some space to get you to the next place. But that's just our form of numbing, you know. It's it's that or food or alcohol or sex or drugs or whatever that looks like. So mm-hmm. I guess I just I slow down. Like I allow my life to slow down a bit. I do less travel. I spend more time in nature and outside of the gym for me, things like that.
0: That's interesting. I think yes to all of that. And I love that you were able to listen to your intuition and answer the question of like what is it that I really want? Like what am I really hungry for? for me, and I think maybe a lot of people listening, and I know this because a lot of my clients that this has been the thing, that they've been overachieving, and the thing that's missing from their life is human connection. So I'm Mm. not saying these people are hermits, and that they, you know, are, like, major introverts. Their personal relationships are in a struggle. And they might have, Mm. like, a great partnership. Like, maybe they're in a relationship, or they're married, and and that's going pretty well. But their female friendships are like pretty much non-existent they have like surface oh friends or like co-workers that they they hang out with but it's like having that person where they are truly seen and heard or they haven't they they're grieving something that they have not yet processed because they're mm. too busy being strong about it and that's what i see a lot so anyone listening if you are struggling with overachieving First of all, you need to read my book. Second of all, (laughs) (laughs) shameless plug. Mm -hmm. Second of all, like, think about what it is that you, you really want. I know Brene Brown has an excellent description of, cause a lot of times what overachieving is, it's, also enveloped in perfectionism and perfectionism is outwardly focused. And so is overachieving. It's like, what will everyone think, you know, like, mm. or what am I really getting out of this? And it's that, you know, validation recognition and that middle ground that you and I were just talking about that is inwardly focused, like, cause you can, you know, be a fitness competitor and be doing it because it's something you're really hungry for. So it's totally not what that is.
2: Totally. And for a while I did, you know, and once Mm -hmm. I figured that out, I did. So there, I love that you said that. And, you know, you just completely made me realize in that transition from fitness to like mindset and things like that, that's when I allowed space for totally a tribe of women to come in and my life completely changed. So I love that you're pointing that out. Yeah, it's
0: important. It's so important. And it is that pesky vulnerability thing again, like letting people in Mm -hmm. because you get to be a certain age and you have had someone betray you. You have had a friend ghost you. You have had someone stab you in the back and like all these really hard things and these relationship failures, you know, and Mm. it's just like, we know what that feels like. And so we put these walls up and and, yeah. And then in comes overachieving and numbing and, and all those other things. So, uh, you know, speaking of, again, speaking of hard things, let's talk about fear and Mm. fear. I know is something you talk about a lot Mm -hmm. and tell me about the tools you recommend for breaking through
2: fears and reaching goals? Mm. Okay. First of all, I love talking about fear because it was my biggest struggle before. I'd
1: say fear. In a family of religion,
0: I can't even imagine
1: that
0: there would be any fear in your life. Nothing against religion, you guys. Please don't
2: email me. (laughs) No, exactly. And you know, it looks different for everyone. But for me growing up, I had created my own idea of that religion that I grew up in, right? Because we all, especially we have our own takes on everything. So for me, the fear started at a really young age, fear and anxiety of not being worthy of even, you know, living basically of, of being good enough. So, fear and anxiety were something that I just thought they were a part of who I was. I actually didn't think that it could get better. And I never thought that fears could potentially go away around certain things. I will tell you the biggest tool that I have learned around fear and anxiety, especially after watching my mom struggle with anxiety and have panic attacks and myself having panic attacks and feeling like fear was so consuming. This was a daily thing for me, literally, like I could hardly even get to a point. I was in my 20s and I remember going out socially with my husband and meeting some people and I couldn't even go out without at least two drink minimum. You know, (laughs) it's like I had to have alcohol to numb how panicked I was if the attention got focused on me due to like some different bullying and things from the past. But for me, fear has been something that when I decided to talk about it and have a group of people or a group of women and get it out of the dark, right? Like get it out of the shame closet of being alone and thinking that I'm alone in this struggle and that I'm a freaking weirdo that when I started talking about it and getting it out, it's like it started to dissolve just a bit. Like Mm -hmm. that was the beginning beginning of maybe just a bit of melting, right? And then I also wanted to make sure that I got into areas and surroundings and places where it would be safe for me to talk about it more and to learn the tools to work through it. Like I actually didn't want to just go to a seminar and hear about fear and how to get rid of it and the tools to do it. I wanted to do them in person. So I looked for people who and mentors who would actually take what I was doing and work through different fears and anxieties in person for me I ended up finding Landmark Forum, I ended up finding Jack Canfield I ended up finding different you know, classes that people were doing, Tony Robbins events, things like that, where I could actually try on the different ideas of working through what was so debilitating to me that would actually physically stop me, right? It would either make me have a panic attack or make me think I was having a heart attack to the point where I would physically not be able to do anything and like I was going to pass out. So I wanted to find these spaces to be able to do that. So if your fear is to that point, your anxiety is to that point, you want to be able to find these land, you know, these crash pads basically where you're going to be held when you do decide to take those first steps. And that'll be the reference point for the rest of your life. And that's truly why I developed the events that I do is because I didn't want to just have people speaking to people. I didn't want to just have women or men from the stage telling people what to do because we can learn, you know, all we want. We can know that it's common sense, but as my friend says, common sense is not common practice. I love Jim quick says that all the time because we can hear it, but doing it is totally different. So having those places or creating that group of people in your life where you guys all try on these scary things, whether that's role-playing, whether that's sales, whether that's public speaking, whatever that is, you have to have that safe space that you can practice.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I'm, I have actually struggled with, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder in 2003 and that's rough. I will say that's rough. I know a lot of, a lot of my listeners struggle with that and, I definitely think a find a good doctor and b find a really really great therapist. I, I think that those are two things personally that have have mattered so much to me because it was like you were saying it was I wasn't just going and reading about it and I did that too, but I wanted like I wanted someone to help me have actual tools to be able mm-hmm. to use in my life and help me through them and you know a little bit hold me accountable. That's what my therapist did and that was how I do it too. But that I mean. Having anxiety disorder is like fear it's like it's in front of your face like you have a like a ski mask on that has it's all fear and you can't escape it like you can't get it off Mm -hmm. that's oh my god i used to i used to close my eyes and just imagine that i had a zipper from the started at the top of my head and came down and i could just zip out of my body because and it wasn't a body image thing it was just like well i had that too Mm -hmm. but it was different it was more like i felt so uncomfortable in my own skin i wanted to just get out and get get me out and that's all that's the only way i could explain it to to people but it 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 takes knowing i mean just trying your hardest to be present and i got to the point where i got really good at seeing a panic attack come on like i mm-hmm. almost like when you when a train is coming and you can like feel the vibration of the, the tracks that's how oh, I yeah got with my anxiety and i could feel them coming and Still to this day, it's been a long time since I have had to be I, personally, I was on medication for a few years and, and haven't mm-hmm. been for a long time. But if I sometimes I just wake up with it and for no reason, <laughs> I can't pinpoint it. So I used to get really mad and now I'm just like, oh, well, it's just a friend that has, you know, an old friend that has come over and is, she's, you know, just going to stay for the
2: day and be on tomorrow. That's how mm. I really deal with it, too. Mm, I, uh, same for all of that. I would, and I actually went to a doctor to ask for a therapist and he's like, no, just take these drugs. So I I went on medication too, for a couple of years and no, it was actually like a year and ended up pulling myself off because, you know, I just noticed that it was a not helping and B it was causing all of these insane side effects effects. that were showing up in my relationship (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh, that I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, uh, honestly, what happened is it was like a year in. And, and I know this isn't, you know, this story is going to be, or this scenario is different for everyone. Some people really do need to be on medication, but for me, I just wasn't facing it. Right. I didn't have a place to work through it. So I was really looking for band-aids at that point as well. So I was like, sure, this sounds great. Let's fix it. I'll totally take these. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be healed. And one day it was like, I was watching this commercial and I just, I had been feeling so numb and and this woman was, you know, crying in the commercial and, and it was this really heartfelt message and i could tell that it was heartfelt but i just felt nothing like i just oh, couldn't no. even feel anymore and i remember thinking and this is the this is the craziest thing i've never actually shared it with you know on a podcast but i remember thinking if my entire family died in a car accident right now would i feel anything and i just mm-hmm. couldn't access those emotions and i was like whoa red flag wow. okay maybe I need to start looking at this. And I literally went off the next day, which I don't recommend. Please don't do that. I've done that too. I I thought I was going to (laughs) die. Yes. See your doctor. Yeah. Do not ever do that. But it, really was like this awakening moment of what am I doing? Wow, I, I, I guess I have to actually look at this now. And it was a really scary, sobering moment for me to realize that I had to start working through it. And there wasn't a bandaid, you know, I depleted all of my options at that point. So
0: when you say work
2: through it, I know you talked
0: about it a minute ago, but was that more specifically like looking at the emotional wounds and healing that you needed to do?
2: Yeah. You know what? It's been so many years that it's been just about everything I can possibly tell you, Andrea. It's been, <laughs> it's been like accessing. I still work with it. I still get it. Like public speaking really brings it out in me beforehand, which is so weird because I'm obsessed with it. But it also equally is like a terrifying experience mm. for me. Mm. So don't you love that the things that you want to do are hidden behind like the scariest one to Mine's
0: poetry slam. I am terrified to do it. And it's like the most exciting thing. I have plans to do it when I go to New York city in January. So stay tuned, everybody terrified, but so excited.
2: Okay, I'm dying because that just became a goal of mine. So I, we <gasps> must talk about that after or no, now. I have to go to LA. Okay, okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> like for real. So, okay, I really see I'm getting sidetracked because I want to talk about that now. Um, <laughs> so weird you brought that up. Of course you just said that. But anyway, yeah, just really tapping into or looking at where did this even come from? Like, have I always been this way? Is this really a belief that I cannot work through this? Mm-hmm. You know, where did this initially begin? What was this from? Is this because I'm trying to protect myself from something? There's been so much writing. There's been so much therapy, coaching, mentoring, it's been a lot of for me the biggest things I have to be honest are really being able to try it on and do the scary thing in person, but have somebody loving and compassionate to be there to be like, you're safe. Yeah, you know, you're good, you can keep going. You know, everyone is cheering you on. This is what you want to be picturing. Just you need to not only have the people to maybe create that voice for you in the beginning, if you can't create your own, but then coach you on how to bring in for me, it was really coaching. Them that inner voice to, you know, bring in the compassion for that child who maybe didn't have that. So now I've become, I've learned to become my own really compassionate, loving coach whenever that happens.
0: I love everything about that. And so what I'm going to do, everybody listening, because in like 30 seconds, Lori just went through probably like 15 years of therapy. (laughs) everything she mentioned. So I get this question a lot. Where do I even start? I just recorded a podcast episode a couple months ago about it. I'm going to pop that link in the show notes because I go through what you were talking about. Start with addictions, therapy, core beliefs, etc. So if you're feeling overwhelmed but are excited about this conversation, go listen to that episode. But same with me. And for me, it was I went on medication in 2003. I had not even started my own personal development journey. And to be honest with you, medication changed my life at that time. I mm-hmm. I could not cope with my life and it was, it allowed me the headspace to be, and it worked so well for me, but again, Mm -hmm. side effects that were lame, but it did allow me (laughs) that presence to go, oh, this is how a normal brain is supposed to react to something like this. Like, it allowed me just to be able to see kind of how, I don't know so but I'll mm. tell you a quick story. I love
2: hearing that too.
0: Yeah and it and it helped but mm-hmm. and then I just didn't need to be on it anymore and but here's another really interesting story about health and emotional health. So I have had chronic high blood pressure since I was 16 or 17 years old. So it runs in my family. And I was it was always high, but I was never medicated until I was in my mid 20s. I think I went to a, a random doctor, like an ER doctor for something totally unrelated. And my blood pressure was sky high and he said something and I'm like, it's always like that. And he's like, and you're not on medication? And I'm like, well, no. I've never been put on medication for it. And he said, this is so bad. Like, if you're not medicated for this, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 40. So was put on high blood pressure medication. Was on high blood pressure medication for years and years and years, even like through my pregnancies was put on, you know, pregnancy safe, high blood pressure medication. And then we moved to North Carolina a few years ago and I had to switch doctors and I ran out of medication and I just kind of like dragged my feet about going to the doctor. And it had been like, I don't know, probably three or four months by the time. And I hadn't been taking my blood pressure medication. I go and find a doctor and I tell her I have chronic hypertension, told her my health history. She took my blood pressure and she said, your blood pressure is fine. And I was like, that can't be right. (laughs) I've been unmedicated for four months. Take it again. She took it again. And I have a cuff at home. So I started taking it at home. It was gone. So here's the crazy thing. I think my theory is that when I got sober in 2011, because that's really when all my emotions kind of like blew up in my face and I started to deal with it on a really intense level. I think that's when my blood pressure corrected itself wow and there's no other I didn't change my diet I didn't I really doubt just geography you know geographically moving to the state of North Carolina like changed my blood pressure who knows maybe Dixie just did it for me but <laughs> I mean emotionally I am so much healthier when we moved in 2015 was it 2014 2015 then I was when before so anyway mm-hmm. I just I'm a true believer that that's what happened that there's a huge connection
2: Hmm. I could not agree with you more. I, I mean, I really, I feel like I've had so many points in my life where I thought this is what it was. This was genetics. This is what I, what I was doing, but you know, or this is what I would be dealing with my entire life. But I look back and I'm like, wow, my habits were really sealing the deal on that one. Or my thoughts were really sealing the deal or the people I was hanging around were really sealing the deal on that one. And it's like, you know sometimes we can completely get out of something and just watch how you actually you know you actually change it's uh-huh. it's the craziest thing without even realizing it but changing you know these environmental things that might be what you're looking at all the time
0: yeah For sure. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for this conversation. Everyone listening, if you don't already listen to Earn Your Happy Podcast with Lori Harder, you need to go and subscribe on iTunes to get more of her goodness and wisdom. And thank you so much for being here. I, You need to come back. We need to to just have a podcast
2: so selfishly I can talk to you every week. (laughs) That was exactly, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. The conversation doesn't end. We get to record it. I know, I know. Thank you
0: so much for being here. And loriharder.com, go again, subscribe to her podcast and consume all things Lori Harder. Thank you everyone so much for being here. And please, please, please go pre-order my book and get all of the bonuses that I told you about at the very beginning of this episode. I'm excited to have you in my free four-week class. Lori, anything you want to say to the audience before we say our goodbyes?
2: You know, just the one thing that really resonated with me was connecting with other like-minded people and how life-giving that is, especially just after this podcast. No matter how busy I am, no matter what I'm doing, when I get to connect with like-minded people, it just recharges my entire life and brings a new perspective. So if you're feeling lonely or anxious or anything, go connect with someone.
0: Yes. Thank you, everyone, again, for being here for another episode. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know what would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast your kick-ass life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word it helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review now they don't particularly make this super easy to do so i'll help you out a little if you're in itunes and you're on your phone when you are in the podcast app you need to search for your kick-ass life podcast i know even if you're subscribed This is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google, stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.